Well, hello, and welcome back to another edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and I got some skitter skitter stories for you today. <laughs> All right, man, how the hell is everybody doing? Just want to say sorry I'm late. I didn't do a live show last night or uh, record or anything last night. We had some storms come in about nine nine o'clock last night, and uh, that's when I was gonna start doing everything. But yeah, oh well. But I'm here now. I want to say a thank you. I uh, got the uh, YouTube page caught up. I just got to put episode ninety five and this uh, episode up there. Gonna start doing more videos and putting them on YouTube too. So check that out. Thanks for the love there. And y'all can leave the bad comments, good comments. I don't care. I got tough skin. But anyways, just give me some uh, reviews. Tell me what you think about the show, wherever you're listening to it at. And just, uh, like I said, I want to say thank you so much, guys, because the downloads are getting better and more members are coming on board. So just want to say thank you. Sorry I'm late for today, but like I said, as storms came in last night. But everything's going good, going great. I hope your uh, your world's going all right. And I hope I can uh, take you away from uh, a little bit of reality for a while and escape. <laughs> but yeah, guys, thank you very much. Like I said, we're being listened to from around the world. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. I'm going to start trying to look in and doing some merch too. So maybe some shirts or something. See if you guys would like that. But hey, hey. But we got some good stories for you, like always. I guess we'll uh, dig down to it. What do you say? Well, you know the routine. Get you a nice warm blankie. Cozy up by the fire. Get a little warm. Get you some hot cocoa. Or some co uh, cold coffee. Or hot tea. Or whatever you want to drink. And get ready for the stories, guys. <laughs> All right, here's our first one. All right, our first story is Hoover Dam. People have speculated for decades that the Hoover Dam is part of a much larger prophecy that signals the end of the world. The, conspir the conspirators involving everything from bodies trapped inside the dam itself to the uh, coming out of the uh, Arctic. Arch, uh, architects. All right, did you know? Built in 1935, the Hoover Dam was originally known as the Boulder Dam. Cities throughout these throughout Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada received significant amounts of hydro hydraulic power and irrigation water from the dam. 112 people died during the construction of the dam, dozens more due to illness. If you happen to visit the Hoover Dam on May 8, 2015, you'd notice something odd, something odd projected into the uh, mammoth structure. A goat, not just any goat, no. The goat was Heinz, the mascot of, of 
Cold Guy's football t- uh, football club. The white goat stretched over 420 square feet of the dam's surface. Why would a German football team's mascot be uh, protect, protected under the Hoover Dam? Allegedly, the reason that is the Allegedly, the reason is that a company tested a driverless truck near the dam. The agency respected the or the agency. Anyways, the the agency got the truck uh, with the company in Germany, and the agent representing the agency is a fan of Heinz and. The uh, Collins uh, teams. Many people don't buy this answer. So basically, they're saying he put it there because the uh, engineer or whoever designed the dam was a big uh, football team, which means soccer team of the German uh, ger- of the Germans. The agency, okay, already did that. There is a long-standing theory that the Hoover Dam contains. References to satanic rituals that biblical texts suggest damn deconstruction will be the beginning of the end of times. Could it be that harmless? Heinz the goat in in a Heinz the goat in a stand in for embalmment. Uh, the goat-headed idol of uh, of Satan, of of devil worshiping. That's crazy, though. I never knew there was a, a statue of a goat down there, and they're saying, "Well, because the goats, you know, anytime you they uh, tie with the satanic rituals and stuff, they always tie the goat in there." And that's what some people think that it's. Uh, I didn't know all that. That uh, people think it's a place like that. Okay, theories of the dams. Hauntings are older than its satanic connections. Between 1931 and 1935, 112 people died during the construction. Legend has it that a few of these ghosts fell into the uh, concrete while it was being while it was pouring, and are now a part of the dam itself, trapped inside forever. <laughs> now I have always heard this, and no one can really. I don't know. Put it to hard or get hard evidence, but the legend is that when they was making this, because they was pouring the dam twenty four seven, they didn't stop pouring it till they got done, and they say it's still drying to this day because there's so much concrete in that, and they said they was pouring so fast and just continuously. That uh, accidentally some of the guys might have fell into the concrete while they was pouring it and got just stayed there. I have always heard that legend. These souls are likely the ones responsible for the paranormal activity reported over the uh, decades since the dam's completion. Driven to stalk into the uh, afterlife. After their horrific deaths cr- uh, crippled their chances to cross over. Visitors to the Hoover Dam have often noticed temperature drops in hallways and 
lights flickering. They have heard the sound of water dripping, a foreboding sound, a sign of leaks and destruction, only to find everything is airtight and operating fine. That would be weird. You think you hear some, uh, you know, you think you hear, um, you know, water dripping, and it's like, no, it's not dripping. Sorry, I had to turn that light on just a little more was, so I could read it. Read a little better for you guys. <clears throat> okay. If the theory of workers drowned in cement is just an urban legend, there is still another much more uh, significant chance of drowning involving the Hoover Dam. A townsfolk of St. Thomas, Nevada, noticed as the Hoover Dam began to rise, so did the waters of Lake Mead. Government officials told everyone that had to evacuate the city in 1935. So St. Thomas was one of these towns that uh, they had to evacuate the town because when they built the dam, they told them that their town would be flooded. But, you know, because when you dam something, it starts building up the water. Da, 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 da. So they had to uh, leave. Yeah, they had to evacuate it. Okay, when construction of the Hoover Dam ended, the Lake Mead had settled the town, oh, the town of St. Thomas, was 60 feet underwater. Wow. No one ever verified to make sure that the entire town was evacuated. After more than 70 years, the water levels have receded from the drought. And here's another thing about Lake Mead right now. Well, for the past uh, five years, I think, there's been a bad drought on that side, on the east coast over there. So they haven't been getting much rain. And if you look at the pictures from before the drought, the Lake Mead is full. But then when you look at the pictures now and from the past three years, especially because they've got some more rain and it's came up, but. It has been lower the past couple of years. But if you go back and look at the pictures, you can clearly see on the dam pictures, on any parts of the lake, where the lake used to be. So it's really dropped significantly. That's crazy. And no one went to check that town just to make sure everybody got out. So that's crazy. Uh, now a ghost town is exposed because, you know, the drought and the water receding. Parts of the town risen to the surface over the decades since its intentional flooding in 1945-1963 and 2012 <clears throat> offered glimpses of the uh, remainder of St. Thomas. But things look a lot different now than when Hugh Lord paddled away in a canoe in 1938 becoming the last known resident of St. Thomas to leave. Something always gets left behind because they always some there's always something lost in the flood. Sometimes it's a life. For those for those that stayed with nowhere to go, did so out of anti authoritism. 
and pride. The town of St. Thomas brought, uh, brought forth their demise. Any entity left behind 60 feet deep under the surface of Lake Mead <coughs> would have plenty of reason to haunt the Commandary Dam. All right, here's some of the paranormal activity. Workers at the dam have reported instances of tools going missing, equipment being tampered with, and malfunctions occurring at the uh, occurring at roughly the same at roughly the same time. So, excuse me, occurrences keep happening at the same time here all the time. Um. Uh, it's clear that these drowned poltergeists want to sabotage the Hoover Dam. Not all who rest at the bottom of Lake Mead are there because of the dam's construction. Some of their some are there by choice. Since 1935, it is estimated that over a hundred people have jumped from some part of the Hoover Dam to their deaths. Ouch. I mean, have y'all seen how tall that fucking Hoover Dam is? That thing's huge, man. Man, I don't see how anybody... I couldn't have the balls to jump off that because I'm afraid of heights. <sighs> Even the Hoover Dam's bypass bridge is a frequent, frequent site for the suicidal to attempt their final act in this world. The bridge may have been free of any... Uh, suicides for the first year and a half but it didn't take long for what to for that to change five individuals over the next two years took their life at the bridge apparitions of jumpers appear late at night walking across the part of the dam where cars are no longer allowed to travel over unsuspecting workers are especially uh Startled when spotting these apparitions, remembering that the public isn't allowed on the bridge that after hours. That would be creepy. You know, you're sitting there doing your job, doing your thing. And you see an apparition there and you know there's not supposed to be people there. Uh, those who have plunged into the uh, depths of, the, of Lake Mead. The largest manufactured lake in the world are into the uh, carnivorous basin where the uh, canyon meets the dam <coughs> are forever tied to the Hoover Dam. When the, water, when the waters have receded, the reservoir dried up and the rest of the uh, world's world is crumbling, the Hoover Dam will still be standing. Even if bad luck crosses the Arizona-Nevada line to begin its uh, global deconstruction. Are all the ghosts risen from beneath the waves? The dam will not fall. So the next time you, you visit, keep your eye out for the signs of hell taking over the earth. And at least... That would explain the weather they are having, which is true. They have had, and that on the east coast over on the uh, west coast, uh, yeah, west coast of the United States, 
I'd say in the past year, two years, California and that area has been getting, man, a lot of flooding, a lot of rain. And then they're supposed to be getting, uh, this is Saturday, I think they're supposed to be getting something that's supposed to be hitting their shore. I think it hit yesterday or it should hit today and it's supposed to dump a freaking shit ton of rain. So yeah, they've been, they've went from having droughts now to just having rain coming everywhere. So yeah. Well, that was of the Hoover Dam. Hope I didn't F that up too much. I hope you liked it. Sorry, I was getting a little drink in my cold coffee. All right, let's get to the next one, boys and girls. All right, our next uh, story is the Overland Hotel and Saloon, of course, in Nevada. Pochi, Nevada, situated on the outskirts of the desert nothingness on the southern border of Nevada, where volunteers or where vultures and ravens skim the sky above dilemplating buildings. Pochi exists of a live, is, as a living ghost town. Among its numerous historic structures, many of which were built in the late 1800s, stands the Overlook Hotel and Saloon, where many say ghosts linger, particularly in Room 10. Inside, the air is so cool, Halloween decorations hang from the ceiling and abhor the walls, and a steep staircase leads to the rooms of the Overland Hotel and Saloon. Located at 662 Martin Street in Pochi, Nevada, on the bottom floor, cigar smoke hovers in the area above the bar, a seemingly perfect scene for an Alfred Hitchcock horror film. And if you don't know who that is, boys and girls, Google him up. He is an old sci-fi, uh, he's like one of the first like scary movie director dudes. He, he made a lot of good movies. Stephanie Hollingsosk of Panaco has been working on, has, has been working as a maid and bartender at the Overland Hotel and Saloon for six years and said she has had on many occasions experienced Visits from the spirits. She said that when she first started working at the hotel, she never thought about it being haunted until she started hearing footsteps and voices, and she realized she was not alone. One time I was upstairs cleaning and went into the room, or went into room eight, and I opened the door. She said, I left to go get something and came back to find a ghost sitting there. That would flip me out. I would definitely crap me britches. That's the best way I can describe it. A mist in the shape of a body that started floating across the room. The in, uh, That instance, she said, made her a believer. While later, she was in the laundry room 
uh, folding a towel when a heavy glass ashtray came flying across the room. I said, okay, I'll stop smoking in here. She said, I didn't smoke in there for years. I have never been afraid. I have never left threatened. But by all means, the overlook is haunted. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, 59-year-old Doug Hendershot of Pochi has been working at the hotel for around three years and said one time a young man rented a room for a month, room 23. After not seeing him for a few days, the maids checked the room and found him dead. Another time a man run uh, another time a man ran from room 10 and said that someone had tried to sm- uh, smother him in the middle of the n- middle of the night. Henderson shot said aside from this occurrences he said he has also experienced his own strange encounters. Here's what he says. When I'm walking down this hallway, sometimes I'll see a person standing here. He said, pointing to where one hallway intersects with many many hallways. Then I'll walk back and look and nobody will be there. Man, could y'all work at a haunted place? Let me know. I don't know. I could, but it just kind of depends on what they're doing, I guess. Despite the uh, hotel, despite the attention the hotel receives for its paranormal activity, residents of Pochi says that that's not all that's haunted. Kathy Kathy Hyatt, who was born and raised in Pochi, said that she believes that spirits wander the streets. My grandmother was playing my dad's... uh, I was playing at my dad's barber shop, and she looked up and waved at something. She said, we looked to see when it was what it was, and there was nothing there. She waved again. We said, were, were you waving? What are you waving at? What were you waving at? And she said, that man. That man, him smoking. Perhaps the ghostly happenings of Pochi stem from its wicked past. Pochi was known as known as one of the most violent towns of the Wild West during its heyday. Between the years of 1868, excuse me, 1875, some 10,000 miners pulled $100 million worth of silver from the hills, said Pochi resident Jim Kelly who hosts tours of the uh, million-dollar courthouse and works part-time at the Overland Hotel and Saloon. During this time, 72 people were murdered and buried in Boot Hill Cemetery before anyone died of natural causes. That's crazy. So basically, these people died from gun being shot. Kelly said one of them murdered was my great-grandfather, who got shot by Morgan uh, Courtney. The big fire of 1871 started in a restaurant on Main Street 
and then spread to the hardware store where several kegs full of blasting powder set behind steel doors, which caused an explosion and killed eight people, said the Pochi Chamber of Commerce volunteer Leslie Dickvokis. Sorry if I screwed her last name up. By 1875, as with all mining boom towns, finding findings of a high-grade ore became slim, and miners packed up, packed up and left. The Overland Hotel Saloon was built years later in 1915 and then restored in 1953. Robbers came into the saloon, one of the men's pistols, pistol whipped the owner of the hotel and then shot him to death, Kelly said. The Overland Hotel is no stranger to ghost haunting, hauntings. The Travel Channel featured the hotel in an episode of Ghost Adventures, where camera crews spent a week in April filming. The Las Vegas Paranormal Task Force is expected to investigate the Overland Hotel. Oh, they did it already. So, yep, there you go. That's the Overland Hotel. I hope you liked it. That sounded pretty good. You know... I'm going to do something really quick. All right. Okay. Let me get a drinky. All right, let's get on, with the, get on with the next story. All right, the next story is, like I said, about the Fairview Plantation. Isaac Franklin commissioned Fairview Plantation in the early 1830s. Isaac Franklin was a satanic slave trader. Fairview Plantation is haunted by the uh, Fairview Curse. Fairview Plantation is now a private residence. Because of the because of the uh, place and it bores witness to under Franklin rule, a string of unfortunate events at the uh, paranormal act of paranormal activities have haunted the property since Franklin resident residence. Over the years, there have been reports of many speculated sightings in the main house at Fairview and on the surrounding grounds. In a recent episode in the Southern Ghost Stories podcast, detailed its supernatural occurrences, including the ghost of a young girl believed to, have, believed to be Victoria Franklin. Sighting of a sightings of a Union soldier, a blue light that races across the property at night, and strange happenings in the develop in the uh, developments building or developments built in the fields where the slaves of Fairview once lived, worked, and died. The Fairview curse. All right, let's see why that sucker's cursed. 
Soon after Franklin and his wife made Fairview their home, a long string of misfortunes became a at Fairview. He and Adelica had four children, Victoria, Adelica, Emma, and a son named Julius, or Julius Caesar. <laughs> Why would you name your kid Julius Caesar? All of whom died in the, died in early childhood. Some say that his, that his children's deaths were karmic reper, reparations of his crucial treatment of luck. Oh, of. Lasita and their son. After Franklin's death and Aldelica's uh, remarriage, the mission stood vacant for some time during the Civil War. Union so Union soldiers accompanied the house and used it as a as a barracks and hospital. Many men died while being treated in the main house. And at least one soldier wrote his last will inside of the uh, inside of one of the books in the uh, Fairview Library using his own blood. After the war, the plantation was sold several times, and the new owners experienced both unlucky and supernatural happenings during this time. After Charles Reed, a house, a horse breeder, a house breeder. Hey, I'm a house breeder. Anyways, he's a horse breeder. Purchased the property. He suffered an estimate of a $400,000 pregnancy loss losses. During a bad storm one night, lightning set one of the uh, one of Red's barns on fire, destroying the structure eternally and killing 28 of his horses. Was this a Fairview curse? The ghost of Victoria Franklin. The Wymas family, who lived at Fairview at the beginning of the 20th century, spoke about hearing a girl's voice in various parts of the main house and seeing a little girl wandering throughout the house, sometimes touching people who she caught unaware that she was there. Often led hundreds of slaves shackled together in a co in a coffle on a torturous march horn Alexandria Vic Vir Virginia to Natchez, Missouri. These marches were bloody and uh, vigorous. Our wait, we're bloody and vicious. The fight of the enslaved were bruised and blistered, and the men were often beaten along the way. The women suffered a worse fate, as Franklin and his other men, overseeing the uh, marches, would frequently and reap. Or, uh, repeatedly raped them during the long journey. What the fuck, man? I just don't get people sometimes. I mean, anyways, uns, unscrup, 
Anyways, Franklin made no secret of his treatment to these slaves in his care. Edward E. Baptist discusses Franklin's misdeeds in Fancy Minds, The One-Eyed Man, examining Franklin's rape and commendation of this that he trafficked Franklin's letter to his business partners and friends make many mentions of the fancy maids he and others traded amongst themselves, each brutalizing the light-skinned women who were trapped as house servants. Franklin would later throw the bodies of enslaved people into the swamps surrounding Natchez. Franklin was cruel, brutal, and barbaric. Franklin firm acquired the Franklin firm acquired and sold some a hundred and a thousand two hundred slaves each year, transporting them from their headquarters in Virginia into the deep south cotton states. That's sad, man. You know, I'm so glad we don't have that bullshit anymore. But you know, it's stuff like that that it scars the earth or wherever they're they're uh, building for life with the shit. I mean, you still just shouldn't treat people that way to begin with. But wherever there's traumatic stuff happened, it usually is stuck with that place forever. The founding of Fairview. Franklin built Fairview or built Fairview Plantation in the early 1830s and spent close to 10,000 furnishing it reflecting his status as one of the wealthiest men in America. After Fairview Franklin purchased six more plantations in Louisiana, including the infamous Angolia Plantation, now the site of the state-run maximum prison, while, while raising grain and livestock at Fairview to send to his other plantation plantations, Further south, Franklin repeatedly raped a female slave named Lacida, Lacinda, who became pregnant with his child shortly before his marriage to Adelicia Hayes, the daughter of a respected Nashville family in 1835. Franklin sold Lucinda and his uh Bi biracial son so that his marriage of his new repu reputation as a planter oh so his new reputation as a planter could begin without any complications okay so Sounds like he uh, made them go away to hide it. And that's what people would do back then. They'd rape these slaves or have an affairs with them and stuff and rape them and stuff and impregnate them. And then they didn't want no one to know because, you know, this is people are dumb. Number one, they shouldn't be going around raping people. But, you know, if he got one of his slaves pregnant, people were like, oh, my God, ah, big deal. But he shouldn't have been raping his freaking people anyway. It's just, I don't understand people, man. 
crazy stuff. But like I said, when bad stuff happens, it scars the everything. Let's get on with it. I'll shut up. So Bagsky, he uh, kind of hid this because of uh, the person he was marrying and his status in the community. Today, the main house has been preserved as a private residence, but most of the surrounding buildings and land have been sold off and developed into luxurious subdivisions. A golf course in a private country club, apartment complexes, and shopping centers. Though the main house retains most of its pre-war splendor, the property that has been sold off and developed into neighborhoods and businesses has been retained as a private residence. The current owners do not seem interested in offering tours of this historic house. Visitors to the Galatine area may still experience the supernatural presence of these souls that seem threatened to the site. Unable to move on from the ter- from the terrors, they no doubt experience there in life. Make sure that's uh. all right. Sorry, I had to get my notes lined up here. <laughs> and the uh and then disappearing the what the f- Okay, I messed up somewhere. Oh, okay, here we go. But I read this Okay, I got my notes. Okay, guys, I didn't read all that's right. The ghost of Okay, here's the story of the Union Soldier. The Union Soldier. The Wamas family also recalled seeing a man in the uniform of the Union Army recently roaming about upstairs in the main house at night. He was once spotted waving waving down Mr. Wymus after his wife fell into the old ice house on the grounds. Mr. Wymus saw a soldier waving frantically at him from from near the ice house. The ice houses back then, I believe that that's where they kept the ice, you know, for stuff. Uh, where was I at? Ice house. When he went to investigate, he discovered his wife trapped and crying. Meanwhile, the soldier was nowhere to be found. That's pretty cool. I like to see ghosts doing that. That's pretty cool, too. So basically, this woman was stuck, and it's a ghost waved down her husband and was like, Hey, come check this out. Your wife needs you. Now we're going to talk about the racing blue light. Legend says that one night while the Franklin family still lived in lived at the Fairview, 
A young woman serve a young servant boy was sent into the night to run an errand for the family. He was carrying a lantern and running across a field when a, he tripped into a well and died. Once then, once then, locals in Cat Catalan have claimed to see a mysterious blue light rushing across the property at night and then suddenly disappearing without any explanation. That would be pretty cool. I think that would be awesome. Well, I got to redo my lights real quick because sun's coming out. Well, it's been real gloomy here. Real bad and gray. And like I said, we had storms come in last night. All right, now let's go over the disturbance, disturbance in the development. Later, Fairview was sold off in pieces due to the financial troubles of Charles Reed. Much of the old grounds in the site of the old slave quarters have been turned into neighborhoods with million-dollar homes, apartment complexes, a golf course with a luxurious clubhouse and several shopping centers. Since the construction began, paranormal events have pledged the area from unexplained orbs of light to shadows, figures and photos taken on the grounds, and strange noises. So if you guys are ever around... Go check out the old Fairview Plantation. Sounds kind of creepy. Sounds like it's got a big old history. Oh. Oh, God, I got to stretch. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Sorry if I effed that last story up. Got my notes in the wrong place and yeah, kind of effed that story up, but it's all right. All right, guys and girls, let's get on with the next one. All right, our next story is the Union Station Hotel. Did you know during World War II, thousands of troops departed the Union Station to be deployed overseas? The hotel is said to be haunted by the ghost of Abigail, which can be seen reenacting how she passed. Out of all the rooms in this seven-story hotel, there is one famously known for its unexplained paranormal, paranormal activity. Room 711. A Nashville Ghost Story. If you are interested in Nashville's paranormal, then you have probably heard of the story of Abigail and her beloved soldier. As with any folk tale, there are some natural variations, but is one version that stuck with is actually the most tragic of all. During the during World War II, 20-year-old Abigail said goodbye to her 
Hmm. Said goodbye to her boyfriend at the Union Union Station before he left for France. While standing on the platform, he promised he would be waiting for, or she promised she'd be waiting for him in the same spot when the war was over. After the war, she returned to the station only to find out that he had been killed while in Europe. Abigail was so heartbroken that she threw herself in front of a moving train. And see, that's a lot of uh, trends I've seen with these hotels. People will uh, go there to, you know, kill themselves, stuff like that. So there's always hauntings like that at these hotels. Who lives in room 711? Guests staying in this room claim they have heard strange noises such as phones ringing, lights flickering, and stomping on the roof as if someone is walking on the top floor. The catch is room 711 is the, is the top floor and it was once the building's attic. But when the hotel was beginning was being built it was transformed into additional rooms people also describe hearing what sounds like heavy furniture being dragged above the room especially during the early hours of the morning some have some have seen and felt or some have seen uh, some have even felt sudden unexplained drops of of room's temperature and feeling like there's and feeling like they are not alone both common occurrences in a haunt, in a haunted location it's hard to say who is haunting the specific room and why is it Alabel, Ab, abigail or someone else see how bright that sun is now yeah it it's been cloudy all morning so sorry if i'm sitting here and it's getting brighter all of a sudden I could turn some of these other lights off. <sighs> okay, where was I? It's hard to say. There's plenty of unanswered questions. We know for sure that there is a there is definitely something going on in this room that isn't likely an explain uh is likely explained by the century-old building's past. <sighs> Here is a brief history. Nashville, a Nashville's Union Station was built in the 1900s as a Gothic-style train terminal. The structure was designed by Richard Monford and included and included an eight railroads and straight cars to service passengers the large station became incredibly significant during world war ii sending out thousands of soldiers during the conflict at this time over 16 trains stopped daily by the 1960s the station had declined significantly with only six Railroads, six railroads making stops, slow, uh, slowly going into obs obstilation. 
The terminal operated until 1979, and they remained vacant for the, remained vacant for seven years. And see, a lot of times, that's what happened a lot. A lot of these train stations were big back then because we didn't really have cars. People traveled a lot on the train, and they don't travel a lot on the trains now, so they started declining a lot. While it was abandoned, the destroyed building was managed by the local government, which was waiting for the perfect uh, revelation project to present. Eventually, the idea of turning it into a hotel was proposed, and the project was promptly approved, keeping the historical importance of the of its location in mind. The space was remodeled and turned into a hotel in 1986. It has since been renovated in several different occasions, the last one being in 2016. Today, this four-star hotel displays massive crystal chandeliers, cozy fireplaces, and Italian marble floors, remnants of the past. But do not be fooled by the 20th century structure in the rooms and the building in the pub in the public areas featuring plenty of beautiful modern furnishings. So if you're ever around that place, y'all go check that out for me. See what you think. Oh, last one, guys. I hope I didn't bore you too much today. Like I said, appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate you guys out there on YouTube watching too. <clears throat> All right, our last story of the day is the Raymond Auditorium in Nashville. Did you know the Raymond Auditorium began as a Union Gospel Tabernacle, a space for Christians to come together and pray? This old music venue is haunted by the man who built it. Some of the singers that performed there and even Confederate soldiers. The Raymond Auditorium was once home to the Grand Old Opry, a radio broadcast known for putting country music on the map. Hauntings at the Raymond, uh, Raymond uh, Auditorium. The ghost of Thomas Raymond. After Captain Thomas Raymond passed away in 1904, his Union Gospel excuse me, Tabernacle was renamed Raymond Auditorium in his honor. Contrary to his wishes, however, the space began to be used for plays and live music shows. This activity must have stirred up Raymond's ghost as he began making appearances of his own. Raymond's spirit was fine with most performances, but would not but would rise if the people on stage were getting a bit uh rescue. Apparently he disres he uh disrupted shows by stomping around the room so loudly that spectators would be forced to leave. Famously, the ghost wrecked havoc while the opera Carmen 
was taking place. Probably because it tells the story of the gypsy uh, temptress. But Raymond was the least of the artist worries. There was something much darker lurking in the auditorium. The uh, Opry Curse. From 1943 to 1974, the auditorium be became home to the uh, country music-focused radio show called the Grand Old Opry. And a lot of big-time guys from that area played there. which featured up-and-coming musicians and broadcasted their performance. During the time, rumors... Wow, that sucker's bright. During this time, rumors suffer, uh, surfaced that the uh, venue was cursed, was cursed since apparently most singers that performed there would end up dead. Oh, that's crazy. Dang, it's bright. A total of a total of thirty-seven people met their fate in the most gruesome ways, dying from ODs, OD, ODs, car accidents, fires, or slaughter or slaughterings. Among the artists believed to have succumbed to the curse curses are Stringbean Aikman. Patsy Cline, I know of her, my mom loved her, Texas Ruby, and many more. Eventually, the Grand Ole Opry found another home, but this did not stop the curse. It is believed that the curse followed because large portions of the Raymond Auditorium stage was cut out and bought, uh, brought to the uh, new location. That's pretty cool. I didn't know they used some of the old stage for the new one. But that would explain some of the ghosts. You're bringing them with you. The Gray Man and the Lady. The spirit often refer referred to as the Gray Man, believed to have been one of the Confederate soldiers who frequented the auditorium during the post-war gatherings. Some... Say they are a witness. They witnessed him sitting in the balcony while artists rehearsed. He watches the stage steadily, but disappears as soon as anyone gets too close. The lady, on the other hand, isn't a spectator. She's a performer, believed to be the ghost of Patsy Cline. She has been heard singing by staff. Usually her performance happens late at night as the prepared to close. Patsy Cline, who, tra who died tragically in a plane crash, has also been linked to the uh, Opry curse. Could the curse not only kill, but also trap artists in the uh, venue? Hank Williams Sr. Speaking of a Opry uh, curse victims, Hank Williams is said to have been another casualty. The successful singer-songwriter passed away in 1953 
after missing, mixing prescription drugs with alcohol, similar to the other artists haunting the auditorium. Hank's voice has been heard clear as day by employees. They have also heard these songs being played on stage without explanation. Along with Patsy Klein, Hank Williams Sr., Souls has lingered in the old venue ever since he passed. Based on the spirits that haunted its place, the Raymond Auditorium has been the center of the country music scene. An interesting path for locals that start as a started as a church. <laughs> Here is a little bit of the little bit of more of the history. Thomas Raymond, who dreamed up and financed the auditorium, was a Cumberland Riverboat captain. He started his career assisting his father but prominently took over the business after his father passed away. Over time, over time, his enterprise became incredibly successful with over 30 ships in his fleet and maritime themed saloons in the city. In his bars, he made a, made a, a furniture with a, Illegal act, uh, okay. He made furnish, furnishings with illegal activities such as selling alcohol, gambling, and prostitution. His unsavory behavior caught the attention of local re, uh, renovant Sam Jones, who was immediately opposed to who of to opposed to how Raymond was making money, or preaching against the corruption in the city. Raymond himself wanted to see all the fuss, wanted to see what all this fuss was about. So he, so he rolled a few friends and headed over, he rounded up a few friends and headed over to the tent rival Jones was hosting. As if by fate, upon attending the ceremony, Raymond did a a complete 180 from the moment forward he vowed that he would dedicate himself to the Lord. So basically he went there and had a, you know, come to Jesus time. As a part of his mission as a born-again Christian, Raymond decided to build a place for the religious to gather in the city. A structure he named the Union Gospel Turnuckle. Following its open in 1992, the space became known as, or been known for its luxurious fundraisers and powerful Christian gatherings. When Raymond passed away in 1904, a vote was taken to rename the uh, Tabernacle <coughs> Raymond Auditorium. Slowly, the space ventured away from the religion in favor of hosting musical arts, uh, acts, plays, and operas and ballads. Soon, notables from the uh, Hadunteni to Charlie Captain 
had performed on that stage. Then in 1941, this venue became known as the Grand Ole Opry, a radio broadcast that featured local country singers. After the show moved in 1974, the Raymond Auditorium remained vacant, and it fell in disarray. In 1994, when interested for the historical location sparked, it was a it was restored and reopened to the public. To the Today, the space continued to dazzle visitors as a museum and music venue, paying tribute to the many artists that have performed there in the spirits that strayed to watch. That was pretty cool. I like that story. That was a good one. The Vreman Auditorium. Well, that kind of explains why the man that uh, made the Raymond Auditorium haunts it. Because what I, what we gathered from the story is he made his money off of uh, the shipping industry. Then he had saloons and stuff with gambling, alcohol, and prostitutes. Then he goes to this uh, revival thing this guy's having. Has a come-to-Jesus meeting and... He's religious, builds this big tabernacle, and then when he passes away, it turns into this. So, kind of explains why he's uh, talk, why he's there, you know. And you know, it's just crazy. I've always heard about some of the older country star, country singers that have performed there, haunting there. I've always heard about Patsy Cline and Hank Williams Jr. or Hank Williams Sr. But I'm glad you guys liked the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope I didn't keep you too long today. Sorry I'm late, but I'm here, guys. But thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the downloads. I want to say thank you to everybody out there who listens. Send me some feedback, guys. Please, I would love it. I wouldn't mind. Give me some reviews. Tell me what you think. I know my reading sucks sometimes. You know, my dyslexia kicks in and I turn into... I try my best. But... I like doing what I'm doing, guys, and maybe one day I can do this for a uh, career, you know, because I really like podcasting. I really like ghost stories. I like doing the research. But if you guys like the show, tell me. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube right now. Remember, you go over there. I got a, I got the not, uh, episode 95 and this episode 96 are going to be videos. So go check me out there. See what you think. And, yeah. So, I hope you guys have a great weekend. It's a great weather to be telling some stories around the old campfire, guys. So, keep it up. We'll see y'all later. Thank you for everything. And uh, until next time, be scary, my friends. Ha <laughs> ha.